Welcome back to SEC Football Unfiltered, our podcast from the USA Today Network. I'm Blake Topmeyer with John Adams. It's Thanksgiving week. Hope you're enjoying some turkey and pie this week. It's rivalry week. I know you're going to have time for, for football uh, throughout this, this week of very important games. And uh, we will get into all that and, and more in our pick segment. We'll, we'll take a look at each of these rivalries. We're going to offer a Heisman update as well with some thoughts on that. But first, John, no Christmas card this year for the South Carolina Gamecocks from Greg Sankey. It was all set up. The SEC was well positioned to once again qualify two teams. Now, Tennessee would have needed a little bit of help, but with a couple games remaining, very good chance that either TCU or Southern Cal would have lost a game and Tennessee could have been that second team in the college football playoff for the third time in six years, the SEC could have got two teams in the playoff. Now, maybe LSU still makes something happen by upsetting Georgia and Atlanta to get a second team into the playoff, but this was the chance getting Tennessee in. It was all out in front of them at South Carolina and Vanderbilt. South Carolina said, uh-uh, we're not playing our part here. And they just came out and demolished the Vols on Saturday. Ruin, ruin that little SEC playoff playoff party. You think Greg Sankey's going to get get some vengeance here on the Gamecocks down the road, make, make things tough on them and scheduling? You're so right. Greg Sankey, if he had to do it all over again, I think would have struck a deal with Spencer Rattler for about $2 million uh, to develop a, Sudden sprained ankle syndrome. I uh, was doing okay in practice, but suddenly just can't really put much weight on that left ankle. And he's out of the game. And then Tennessee wins. The game goes according to chalk. And you got two SEC teams in there. When you think about it, how much good has South Carolina really done the SEC since it's been here in 30 years? Kick him out. There should be a penalty for well, this. Well, I, I mean, you got to send a message at some point, and you're you're so right. Tennessee, I, the SEC was set up to have two teams in, in the playoff again. I, I just think the way these games will unfold, that Tennessee would have gotten in there. Not now. Now, South Carolina, whoop-de-doo, it's bowl eligible, okay? so Tennessee, uh, John, for, for much of this season – had been like the story in college football, at least in our little region of the world. I guess if you live in Texas, TCU was probably the story of college football. But for a large swath of the country, because you know Tennessee had so many nationally televised games on CBS, everybody, everybody who cares about college football, I think, watched Tennessee beat Alabama and its fans storm the field and march out of the stadium with the goalposts and dunk them in the Tennessee River. I mean, they, they were the story. Hendon Hooker was a front-runner candidate for the Heisman Trophy. And now you know, now the Vols can, if they beat Vanderbilt on Saturday, which no longer looks like a given, by the way, the Doors have won two straight. I think you, I think you said if, if Vanderbilt won again, you were, you were supporting Clark Lee for SEC Coach of the Year, correct? <laughs> He's high on my list now. All right. I was kidding because I didn't think that was possible. But, I know uh, you were. Yeah, yeah. Proven you wrong. Jokes uh, do come true. But you know, so much of the season, Tennessee had been college football Cinderella story. Of course, you know we know this is just Josh Heupel's second season. 
We know the backstory. Jeremy Pruitt was fired under the cloud of an NCA investigation. It was just, it was a, it was a great story. How do you think this Tennessee season will be remembered now, though? Both kind of from a, a national perspective and then internally, you know, among Tennessee fans. How will they remember it? Will they remember it as the year they beat Alabama, snapped the 15 game losing streak to Nick Saban, they tore down the goalposts, or will it be remembered more? for the season where everything everything was there for the taking in November. They had a chance for this improbable run to the college football playoff, and they blew it in Columbia, South Carolina. The latter. It was all set up for Tennessee. And, yes, those were – the win over Florida was a big deal. Uh, the win over Alabama was a bigger deal. Uh, routing LSU in its own stadium – Everything was, you take those games alone and it was a memorable season. But then with those great games came great expectations. And so the script flipped. And so then we go down the home stretch and it's all set up for Tennessee for an 11 and one regular season. SEC can't win the SEC. But you can make college football players playoffs. You're playing for national championship now. That trumps everything, and that so that's how this season will have to be remembered. Despite all the really good things Tennessee did and how it overachieved, it will be remembered by fans as an opportunity lost, and there's no getting around that. I think uh, looking at on at a national level, I think people will look at Tennessee as kind of this. Uh, shooting star flashing through the sky, man, I can't believe their offense is that good. And, and then they realize, yeah, but their defense is really bad. And that'll catch up with them. So they aren't an elite program right now, but they were a really fun program. And man, we, you know, maybe like one of those big 12 or pac 12 teams we've seen in the past that just scored a million points, but get down that home stretch and you're trying to beat out the very top level teams and, and you just don't quite reach that goal because you had a, you had a really bad day and your defense had a really awful day against South Carolina. I'm going to test out a thought here, John, and you're going to be the judge and jury because you are, you are Mr. SEC. You're born Southerner from Louisiana. You've covered this conference for uh, 65 years. I believe you're, I mean, you're probably related to the uh, half the coaches in this league, right? I mean, you you are you are Southern boy through and through, right? Is that I, is that my cue to to use my Southern accent, Blake? And I am very proud of my Southern heritage. And I was trying to get that uh, lead role in House of Cards that went to Kevin Spacey, unfortunately. Yes, any uh, any opportunity for you to bust out the accent, I know our producer absolutely loves that, John. I'm going to spare her my southern accent, but yes, it, yours is, I, I like yours, it's good. Um, but no, I, I want you to judge this. You're Mr. SEC. Here's my thought. Conference isn't that good this year. Georgia, really, really good. I think Georgia's going to win the national championship. Won't be stunned if they don't but I like Georgia. You give me Georgia or the field, I'm taking Georgia to win the national championship. Behind them, there's a few good teams. 
that on the wrong day can lose. I'm thinking Alabama, Tennessee headline this, but LSU, Alabama, and Tennessee headline this category. And then there's a chunk of like 10 teams that are all roughly the same. And on some days they look all right. Other days they look terrible. You know, South Carolina was awful in the swamp a week ago. Then they come back home and and look really good against a deficient Tennessee defense. And I just don't think there's that second or third tier of teams that is that is very, very strong. Now you could say, well, I guess, you know, there, there's several tiers of teams. If South Carolina can beat Tennessee, it's a deep league. Yeah, I guess it's deep in the sense that I don't know that there's many terrible teams this year, but I just don't see that that group of, of teams in the middle of the conference that it's like you wouldn't want to play these teams if you were a team in another conference. I mean, beyond Georgia, maybe Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, maybe. I don't know. I just I think it's a very shrug of the shoulders year for the conference. But you're Mr. SEC. Tell me I'm tell me I'm wrong. Well, when I look at these teams, I, I still see like an Ole Miss team with a lot of talent. So I have a high opinion of the league than you do. And I get your point because I watch a lot of other college football, Pac-12, Big 12. To me, those are strong. The next in line when I look, those are better conferences than the Big 10 this year. And I look at a lot, I look at the middle of those conferences and I think, yeah, they could hang with the SEC, the middle of the SEC. Could they beat Georgia? No, I don't think so. But could their top teams play with uh, – could TCU and Kansas State play with Alabama? Could they play with Tennessee, LSU? Probably. Even Texas, John. I mean, Texas is sort of that middle of the pack to upper middle of the pack team in the Big 12. They're 5-3 and three in the conference, but we've seen them. We saw them take one of the SEC's best, Alabama, to, to the wire in week two in Austin. Yeah. So, so that, I guess I'm kind of making your point. I like um, it. It's, it's not, um, it's not the best year for the sec. It's still a good year and it's still the best conference, but okay. I think the gap is not extreme. Once you get, once you leave Georgia out of the mix and you have the rest of the sec and you match it against the pac 12 and the, and the big 12, um, it's different. I mean, I think it's decidedly better than the, the big 10. Yeah. The big 10 has those two good teams and that's with with Ohio state and Michigan, but yeah, then you can say, okay, Penn state is down the next level down, but there's no other team on the same tier with Penn state. And then you drop off into that, (laughs) that wasteland that's known as the Western division, I guess. I mean, I still don't know who's going to win. Could Iowa win that thing with, I, I mean, who who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I've kind of given up following it because it, yeah. to me, the Big Ten Championship is this weekend whenever Ohio For State sure. plays Michigan. And, and the week after that's really just a, a formality. I think it, it feels like, although, you know, although Michigan got a scare from one of those mighty Big Ten West teams, Illinois, my, uh, my homeland took the Wolverines to the, to the wire on Saturday, but couldn't, couldn't pull it out. John, I want to get into Heisman conversation because we are, you know, Heisman talk now 
the way we operate our business. We're talking about the Heisman in August before the games even kick off. But, you know, now's the time where the conversation is really worth following because so much of the Heisman's determined what happens in the final few weeks of the season. And it's like what happened before November almost doesn't matter. I've said before, it's like a golf tournament where what happens through October allows you to make the cut of the second half of the tournament. And then they reset, you know, they, they reset the scores and, and nothing that happened by that point matters before that point happens. You, you made the cut or you didn't. And if you made the cut, the scoreboard's been reset. And in that Tennessee loss to South Carolina, John, Hinn and Hooker, you know, quite unfortunately suffered a torn ACL in the fourth quarter of that game. His Tennessee career is finished, had a special two years in Knoxville and, and led the resurgence in that program. He had gone into that game as a Heisman front runner. I think now I, I see no path to winning the Heisman for Hendon Hooker. He, he's not going to play in the regular season finale. Of course, he was never going to play in a conference championship because Tennessee won't be there. And so when you're going to have, you know, guys like either CJ Stroud or, or Blake Corum from Michigan playing in the Big Ten championship, you're going to have Caleb Williams playing the Pac 12 championship. You know, Hendon Hooker is not going to play these next two weeks. You think I'm wrong? Do you think there's a chance for Hinton Hooker to still win the Heisman, or, or do you join me in thinking um, that, you know, unfairly to him, cruelly to him, his, his career is over and, and he's not going to be the Heisman winner now? No, I agree with your assessment. I don't feel that way about Hinton Hooker. Maybe I'll look at it differently than a lot of Heisman voters, but I, I'm not swayed by what happened at the end. I, I look at a body of work, and, and it's – I'm a little biased, of course, because I've watched Hendon Hooker play all season. And I think he has a an unusual combination in that he's a playmaker. He can beat you running or throwing. He makes big plays. He's been clutch. But he's also very efficient and makes very few mistakes. He doesn't force things. What's he thrown? A couple of interceptions all year, maybe five in his two years at Tennessee. Uh, that, to me, is a rare combination. And when you say Hendon Hooker has a bad game, it's not really that bad when you look at the numbers. You you would say South Carolina's a bad game. Well, he threw three touchdown passes, didn't throw an interception, um, made a couple of runs. Um, and I've looked at some of these other guys that I really like. Uh, North Carolina's quarterback, Drake May, he had a really bad game against Georgia Tech. Caleb Williams, who's getting all the – He's probably the front runner now at Southern Cal, their quarterback. I watched him the, the whole game against Oregon State early in the year, and he was awful. And he also tends to get down on himself and get frustrated, and that's not what I want in a leader. I would still probably still vote for Hendon Hooker. I mean, I, I will certainly look at the remaining games, but I still like what he's done. But no, n- most people will simply because he's not right in front of them in the last two weeks of the season, they will let him go. And another player that I think has long since been dismissed, he doesn't have near the stats he did last year, but when I watch him play is Bryce Young of Alabama. I mean, if I had to go win a game, who would I want as my quarterback? Yeah, uh, that, that's true. If that was the award, if the award yeah. was, you know, you got to win a national championship game and you can have the first round pick in the player draft, then, yeah, I think I think probably at least 50% of the coaches in college football are 
are probably taking Bryce Young with their number one pick. If they got to go one win one game, a national championship game, and you can build your team around him, that that's probably the number one pick from a lot of coaches. I think too, Blake. It's ironic that in the ultimate team game, ultimate team sport, football, where what one player does is so dependent on what everybody else does that we make such a big deal out of an individual award. I mean, how many passes do Alabama's receivers drop? Three or four a game, probably. I, I mean, their receiving core is is dropped off dramatically this season. I wonder, you know, why we make such a big deal about this award. And I actually think maybe college football's on to something. I think it's a little weird that college football awards this. I mean, it's the top award in their sport. They give it out before the postseason. That seems yes. strange, right? Wouldn't you wait until after the postseason? But I actually think it works to the advantage of building up the hype and the intrigue for this award. The fact that it is handed out in December when people are still paying attention to college football. I mean, just last week, Major League Baseball announced its Cy Young winners. Yeah. And I thought, we're we're just now awarding the Cy Young in in Major League Baseball. Like, everybody who would have cared has stopped caring, right? Like, the attention has moved on. So... You know, it is, It is. I think the, the Heisman Trophy is the most recognizable award in all of sports. It's the award that we talk about more than anything else. I mean, you know, there's chatter throughout the course of an NFL season about who's going to win the MVP, but not like the Heisman conversation in football. And I think part of it is because it's a cool-looking award. It's got a good name. You don't just call it the MVP. But I think part of it is because they award it in December before the season's even over, and an interest is like, you know, at its highest point, we're built, we're leading into the playoffs. We're leading into these big bowl games. And, oh, here we go. We're going to award the, the top award that we, that we give out before the season's even over. It's strange, but yet I think it it has helped elevate the interest in, in that award. Oh, I agree. I mean, it's ludicrous to me to think that you wouldn't wait till the end of the season and the very most important games to choose a winner. I, I mean, I can go back to the 2008 season. I, Florida's Tim Tebow was the defending Heisman Trophy champion, and he won it in 2007. Here comes Mr. SEC. We're we're going to get a dose of this. Yes, we are. I mean, he beats – I was covering the game. uh, Florida beats Oklahoma in the national championship game, and Tim Tebow stars, and Oklahoma's Sam Bradford doesn't star. And good player, but Tim Tebow – willed his team to victory as he so often did and uh sam bradford already had the heisman trophy there was nothing uh tebow could do about it but if you would have waited until after that result of course tim Tebow would have won the award what is it about this award too that people just have this disdain for voting for somebody to win back to back it it just doesn't happen yeah i think I think Bryce Young could have been more in the mix if if Alabama was in the playoff mix. Fair or unfair, this award over the years has become, you know, directly tied to, well, do you have your team in the college football playoffs? Um, you know, it didn't always used to be that way. You know, the year Tim Tebow won was the year that I believe Florida went nine and four, right? They had better team success in other years. He was at his best, you know, statistically speaking, in that year where Florida didn't win the national championship, and that was when he won. But I think particularly, you know, since we've gone to the playoff era, 
you have to have your team in, in the college football playoffs to have the best chance to, to win this award. And that's why I think, I, I think Hinton Hooker, even had he not suffered the ACL injury, John, I don't think he would have won the award because Tennessee was eliminated from the playoffs Saturday night. And for the second time in the month of November, he got outplayed by the opposing team's quarterback. Now, as you said, even in a even in an off night for Hen and Hooker, it really wasn't all that bad. He threw for 250 yards and three touchdowns. But Spencer Rattler outplayed him, just like was the case a couple weeks ago in Athens when Tennessee lost to Georgia. Stetson Bennett outplayed him. So I think injury or no injury, Hen and Hooker would not, would not have won this award because Tennessee would not have gone to the playoffs. And that's why I think that when I think about front runners for this award right now, it has to be CJ Stroud of Ohio state and Caleb Williams from USC, because not only do they have the stats, but as we sit here right now, those teams are in good position to make the college football playoffs. And that's, you know, so much of that weighs in to this award, but I want to, before we move on to some of these rivalry games this weekend, John, I'm going to throw this out at you. Jaden Daniels, LSU's quarterback, could be a Heisman finalist. Now, I say that because, again, we know team success plays a part in this. LSU is going to play in the SEC championship. Long shot odds to beat Georgia. But what if they upset Georgia? I know at this point, you know, Jaden Daniels doesn't have Hinton Hooker's stats. He's had a really good season, but he doesn't have the stats of a Hinton Hooker. He doesn't have the stats of a, of a C.J. Stroud. But he's been getting better as the season goes along. He's, he's climbing up those statistical charts. Uh, he's a dual threat guy. He could, he could rush for, you know, he's already over 700 yards, depending on what happens in these next couple games. He could finish with 800, 900 yards rushing along with being, you know, potentially a 3000 yard passer. What do you think about Jaden Daniels chances? He, he's climbing up the Vegas odds too. Now I don't know if that means as much in the high, I mean, those Vegas odds change, <laughs> you know, week to week, and they want to get more bets in, right? But he's among like the top five or six names in the Vegas odds for the Heisman. What do you think his chances are if he finishes with a flurry here uh, to be among the finalists in, in New York? Well, because uh, I think most Heisman voters, no, I shouldn't say most, a lot of Heisman voters pretty much look at what have you done for me lately? And if lately for Jaden Daniels is leading LSU to the SEC championship, beating Georgia in the playoff game, then he's definitely in New York. But I'll go back to one of your uh, criteria for this. Uh, when he played against Tennessee, against Hendon Hooker, which quarterback had the better game? I mean, yeah, Daniels got some yardage, but Hendon Hooker had a big game against LSU's defense, which is better than Tennessee's. So, uh, but no, his overall body of work, uh, to me wouldn't warrant that. I don't think of, he wouldn't be on my ballot. Uh, but maybe if he won, if he did that, I mean, if he, if he beats Georgia and has 400 yards total offense, yeah, you would have to look at him, but I don't think that's happening. I think Georgia, if he were a strong candidate for the Heisman, I think it would disappear amid Georgia's defense in that championship game. And another name, I mean, this is a non-SEC name, but if Max Duggan leads TCU to the playoffs in 13-0, I think he's got a shot of this thing too. I, I know 
the race at this point, it almost seems like there's two players way out in front of everybody. If you if you read the headlines, if you look at the Vegas odds, it's it's Ohio State's CJ Stroud and, and USC's Caleb Williams. But Max Duggan, you know, we know TCU is going to play for the Big 12 championship. They got Iowa State this week. If they run the table, I mean, that guy's had a had a great season. He, he's thrown 26 touchdown passes to just three interceptions. Uh, you know, he's, he's averaging 260 yards per game. He can run it a little bit, too. People just love his story. I think they love TCU's story. I wouldn't be surprised, particularly if, if Ohio State loses, you know, maybe to Michigan, and if Southern Cal loses in the next couple weeks, either to Notre Dame or in the Pac-12 championship, and TCU keeps winning and goes undefeated, I wouldn't be surprised, wouldn't be shocked at least, if Max Duggan is is your Heisman winner. You think I'm going too far on a limb there? Uh, You're a little bit out there, but the thing about Max Duggan is you have to – what he does in clutch, and that's that's what TCU is all about. It's the comeback, comeback team. It's come up big in so many games. I think it's trailed in seven games or more, and it pulls them out at the end. And that's what that's a great way of evaluating a quarterback, even more so to me than the team. You, you, this quarterback repeatedly comes through. That's why Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. Because of what he does under in, under pressure, pulling his team from behind, that's why Joe Montana is hailed as one of our greatest quarterbacks. Mister Clutch, odds are against him, he comes through, and that's what we've seen, and that's what we see with Bryce Young of Alabama. That innate ability to raise your game under the the most difficult circumstances, and when the odds are against you. And so that, that gives him a, you know, that's something to look at. You'd have to, you'd have to think about that. That scenario you present is not so far fetched. All right, John, let's do this. I, w- I want to talk about some of these games in, in, in a little depth before we go here, but we also got our, our picks we have to do as well, which is a, a heated contest. I still have a one game lead over you after both of us, we're three and four last week. We're we're both sub five hundred for the season, but the race within the race, you know, just head to head is is very very compelling. So <laughs> let's like let's do this. Somebody out there cares. <laughs> yeah, yes, I know, I know that there's there's a couple listeners that probably have bets on our bets. They're they're betting on who's going to win our our contest. Um, let's get into some of these rivalries as 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 we pick the games, and um, let's start with the Egg Bowl. John, and and I'll get your pick in a minute. But to set the set the stage, Ole Miss is a three and a half point favorite, despite getting blown out in Arkansas on Saturday night. That I wasn't surprised Arkansas won. Arkansas is like Jekyll and Hyde, depending on whether KJ Jefferson plays. You know they're zero and two when he doesn't play. He played hurt against Liberty. They lost that one as well. When KJ Jefferson's playing at something close to full health, Arkansas is a pretty tough team. Um, but the way almost got blown out, I, I know some of their players said that the stuff going on with Kiffin wasn't a distraction and, and didn't affect their play. But I mean, something looked off with that team in, in the first half uh, and, and Rocket Sanders just gashed him with one run after another. It looked really simple. 
but yeah, here we are. Ole Miss is at, at home in the Egg Bowl on Thursday night. They're three and a half point favorite. Um, who do you think this game's more important for, John? Do you think it's more important for Ole Miss or, or Mississippi State? I know maybe that's splitting hairs because the Egg Bowl is important for everybody in that state, right? Um, but I think it's more important for Mike Leach. He's going to have a new AD coming in. He's 0-2 in the Egg Bowl. I think the outcome of this game really shapes the narrative going forward for Mississippi State. Do you, you agree with that? Oh, yeah, definitely. That 0-2 record in the rivalry, that's a huge deal. I don't think people outside the Southeast realize what a rivalry this is. It's, I mean, I think it's one of the best rivalries in college football. And even though these teams aren't at the top, you know, they're, they're not up there competing for a national championship, but how much it means to these two programs, how much it means to the state and how much it means to the coaches. Um, The way Ole Miss played in that game against Arkansas, that, that would concern me as an Ole Miss fan about how this game might play out. But I agree. It's so important to Mike Leach. We've talked before about in this league, you want the man who hired you to still be your AD very much. That's so important. Yeah. And John Cohen, of course, now is, is the man running Auburn's search and throwing a little distraction into the mix for, for Ole Miss. What a quote from Lane Kiffin. By the way, he he was asked after the the loss to Arkansas about the the Auburn job and the speculation. And Kiffin, you know, sometimes coaches will just refuse to answer those questions at all. He addressed it, but not by really confirming or denying his interest in Auburn. But he he just said, "Well, you know, the, the question was about him apparently being candidate number one at Auburn, depending on which reports you read." And Kevin said, well, if the folks at Auburn watched the first half tonight, I don't think I'd be candidate number one <laughs> in, anymore. Uh, so how about that? Playing chess, not checkers, is playing so poorly in the game that you scare off other teams from your coach, right? I don't think it's going to work. I think if Auburn was interested bef- before, they're going to be interested now. But I do think Mississippi State has a few things working in their advantage in this game, John. You know, you have a third-year starting quarterback in Will Rogers. I think Mississippi State has the better quarterback here. Jackson Darts had some really good moments this year. Better runner than Will Rogers. But I get the slight edge in the quarterback competition here to Mississippi State. So that's number one. Number two, Mississippi State played an FCS opponent last week while Ole Miss was getting beat up by Arkansas. And and Mike Leach said after that game against East Tennessee State that they got a jump on film study on Ole Miss last week. You know, they weren't, weren't waiting around until they played ETSU. They, they were already preparing for Ole Miss last week. So that's an advantage. And then when you figure, you, you factor out this distraction, you know, surrounding Kiffin, will he stay, will he go, that scenario. I mean, all the, all the points seem to be favoring Mississippi State, but it's at Oxford. Kiffin's 2-0 against Leach. He seems to have had, got a pretty good handle on that air raid. I'm going to pick Ole Miss to cover the three-and-a-half-point spread here. Where are you going? Well, I'm glad you're picking Ole Miss uh, because I'm picking Mississippi State for all those reasons you gave. Uh, I, I listened to everything you were saying very intently, and that made up my mind. So I'm going with uh, Mississippi State. All right. Shall we save the Iron Bowl, John? Or you just you want to knock out the two the two headline rivalries here at once? 
Yeah, why not? Some some people might not listen to the end of the podcast. That that's a very good journalism answer. The inverted pyramid. The deeper yes. you go into the story, the more the more people you lose. So, yeah, let's 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 get into the Iron Bowl next. It's been an interesting story for each of these teams. Here is here is Alabama, and by Alabama standards, it's playoff or bust, right? At, at least with the fan base, and I think for for many of the players within that program, it's playoff or bust. We've heard Nick Saban talked about. He, he said that he doesn't think this team maybe has done a great job handling the expectation in that they've they maybe kind of put too much pressure on themselves. They they worried about the outcome and not the process. Uh, you know, it wasn't that they weren't committed or, or weren't bought in. He says none none of that's true. It's that they were they were trying so hard to live up to the expectations that that was placed on this team. They maybe lost sight of the process. And, and they didn't get the outcome they wanted, which means they won't be playing in the college football playoff. They've, they've lost two games. They're out. However, boy, they are one play away from being in the playoff, aren't they? I mean, they stopped that two-point conversion against LSU. We're talking about Alabama playing Georgia in, in the SEC championship and having, you know, being the team, ah, Georgia, you don't want to, you don't want to face Alabama again. Do you have to, yeah, you beat them in the, the national championship, but is that really the team you want to face in Atlanta? But you could go the other direction too and say both of Alabama's losses, yeah, they were decided on one play. Three of their wins, one play goes the other way. They, they could have losses in, in games um, against Texas, against Texas A&M, uh, and against Ole Miss. You know, one play goes the other way. They could lose all three of those games. So what a what a weird season for Alabama and I mean, do you think this is salvageable in a way? Do you think if Alabama wins the Iron Bowl, gets to a New Year's Six, and wins that, do, will there be any acceptance of of an eleven and two, or is Alabama just so far gone in the camp of you know expectations for that program are are playoff or bust? No, the expectations are crazy high. So anything short of a national championship, I think, for most Alabama fans, just making the playoffs is no big deal to a lot of Alabama fans. They are the program, and so they're supposed to win the championship. So uh, it's going to be a disappointing season for Alabama uh, with two losses. And I know anywhere else that sounds silly, but go back to last year. I think Clemson lost three games, ended up 10-3, and three, but that was a very disappointing for, for a program that had – become accustomed to playing in the in the playoff and has won a couple of national titles. So that would even be magnified with Alabama. Uh, I wouldn't bet on Alabama in a bowl game. I'll put it that way. I, I mentioned with the Egg Bowl, I think this, this game is more important to Mike Leach and Mississippi State maybe than it is in this particular moment for Ole Miss because of you know the, how important that is in shaping the narrative for Mississippi State going forward. How about the same being true with for Auburn, John. I mean, you have interim coach Cadillac Williams. He's now got a couple victories. Beat Texas A and M. He beat Western Kentucky this past week. And I know that's you know maybe no great feat this season with the way A and M is, and then beating a Group of Five team. But hey, I don't think Brian Harson would have won both those games. And there's there's some energy now around Cadillac Williams. There's there's a little. There's there's a little bit of buzz it seems like within the Auburn fan base of should we just remove the interim label from from this beloved alum 
Now, I don't think there's really much momentum for that right now. I think that's just kind of fans being in the moment. What if they win the Iron Bowl? <laughs> do, do you think there's any chance if 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 Auburn overcomes this 21.5-point point spread, Cadillac Williams finishes out here with three straight wins, Texas A&M, Western Kentucky, and on the road at Alabama. Do you think he? Do you think Auburn has to has to consider that, or, or will it not matter? Will Will the search kind of reached a point by that point that there's no putting the train back in the station? Well, based on Auburn's recent history, you would pretty pretty much count on it making the wrong move. That would be absurd to hire guys and interim coaches coached three games, even if it beat Alabama. Now you can say. If he was beating an Alabama team that was steamrolling toward a national championship, yes, then you can make a case for it. But he's beaten Texas A&M, which right now is about as bad as any team in the SEC. Maybe the, maybe wor- the worst team in the SEC. And you beat Western Kentucky, uh, Sunbelt team. No, it's not a Sunbelt team. It's Conference USA. Yeah, they've kind of become one and the same to me over the I years. Know, but it's yes. so hard to tell, isn't it? It is. Yeah, okay. Well, I, apologies to the Hilltopper faithful on that. I, you don't make a decision based on that. I mean, you know, even I know he's energized the team. And players probably, he's probably a very likable guy. Um, and, and in this role, he's revived the team down the stretch. But. If they'd have been playing LSU and uh, in Arkansas with uh, KJ Jefferson, I, I don't think he would have maybe done as well. But yeah, I, I wouldn't make that decision. But who knows with Auburn? My gosh, and and, and the momentum behind Cadillac is going to reach a crescendo if they win this Iron Bowl. Yes, I mean, oh, it, yeah, yeah, Auburn will probably hire him if it, if he it, wins this game. Yeah, it, the, the narrative. You know, especially from national media, is going to be how do you not hire Cadillac Williams, the the, the native son, mm-hmm. you know, starred for you as a player, stepped mm-hmm. in at a, at a moment of need as your interim coach, comes out and and beats Nick Saban in Alabama. You know, you're trying to hire a guy who can beat Saban, who can who can live in Saban's shadow and and maybe shrink that shadow a little bit. Well, if he comes out and wins Saturday, that's going to be the narrative. It's going to be you got a guy right in front of here who, who's proven he can do it. it very Ed Ogeron like, but hey, Ed delivered a national championship, so Cadillac could deliver a national title. You you sign them. There line. you go. You you've made a great case for it. Uh, wasn't Matt Luke an interim coach at Ole Miss? Mm, well, you you presented the other side of that argument, John. <laughs> All right, I mentioned the point spread in this one. It's twenty one and a half. Have I convinced you? Have I made the case for for Auburn? Boy, you can't ever discount uh, the emotional factor, particularly in in any college football game, particularly in rivalry games. This is a really tough game to pick with that line. Because I don't think, I think Auburn would play well at the start, but I think it's going to wear down. And and it's on the road. If this game was, you know, at Jordan-Hare Stadium, I mean, it doesn't matter what Auburn's record's been this year. Anytime they get in front of their home crowd, that place is buzzing. I think if this was a, say, a home night game at Auburn, 
I wouldn't rule out this thing coming down to the wire, but it's at Alabama. That that changes things for me. The other factor is uh, Auburn wants to run the ball, has a running quarterback. What does Alabama do best defensively? It stops the run. Good point. And so I, I'm really having an internal debate here because the analyst in me it's being very logical and thinking why Alabama should win by a comfortable margin. But then their other voice is saying, yeah, but it's a rivalry game and Auburn's so fired up. It's going to play so hard and all, all this stuff. But I think I'll still take Alabama. All right. You're taking Alabama to cover the 21 and a half. I'm not. I'm taking Auburn. I, I think they, they cover that spread. Don't think they they win the game, but I just – I haven't seen enough from Alabama this year to make me think they're gonna they're gonna win in blowout fashion. They they found a way to mess around with inferior teams before, so I think this this will be a game into the second half. I think Auburn covers a twenty one and a half. All right, let's get into some of these other rivalries a little more quickly, John. Uh, Georgia Tech at Georgia. Georgia thirty five and a half point favorite. Their betting spreads are they're entering Alabama territory. You know, so much else of their program has entered Alabama territory, the expectations, the way they play, the way Kirby coaches, all all that, the way they recruit. Now the betting spreads reflect it. used to be, you know, you have two Power 5 teams playing. Alabama was the only team in the nation that could be like a 35-and-a-half point favorite uh, when they're playing a rivalry game against a fellow Power 5. But here we are. Uh, I'm going to take Georgia Tech in in this one. They're they're coming off that win of – over your guy Drake May there at, at North Carolina and Mac Brown. I know you, your big Mac Brown guy is as well done a great job at North Carolina. Well, Georgia Tech beat him last week. Doesn't mean they're going to beat Georgia, but I think they can cover the thirty-five and a half. Yeah, I, I didn't see the North Carolina Georgia Tech game, and I was kind of mystified by the score. I, I, Georgia Tech, when I watched them, has just been awful. Well, <laughs> it's already fired its coach, so uh, what does that tell you? Much like Auburn, it got a little better after it fired its coach. Yeah, and maybe Georgia Tech has too, but uh, life's too short to be following their their Saturday. So I will go with Georgia Tech in this game. Kirby doesn't really run up the score against unless he has something in for the other coach. And, I, and this interim guy, I don't even know who he is. So I doubt Kirby does either. Yeah, and he's got the SEC championship coming the following week, so get your starters off the field sure, as, as quick as you can. So, yes, we're, we're both taking Georgia to win, but Georgia Tech to cover. The battle line rivalry, and if you're unfamiliar with what that is, it probably means you're not a fan of, of Missouri or Arkansas. I don't know that, that the name of that rivalry that the SEC cooked up ever, ever took hold, but it's a monstrous trophy. It takes like four large humans to hoist that thing up. Arkansas, four-point favorite going into the fierce confines of Furrow Field. Now, keep in mind, it's deer season right now in mm. Missouri. Could yes. affect the crowd there. In Lock Columbia and load, Mo- men. That's right. And uh, ladies. Yeah, that's, that's true. In Missouri, yeah. yeah. Men and women are out there in the deer stands hunting. Four-point favorite are, are the Hogs. I, I mentioned, John, when K.J. Jefferson's on the field, Arkansas is a different team. And part of my problem picking Arkansas this year is we do this podcast early in the week. I never know whether Jefferson's going to play or not. Well, right now, I feel confident he's going to play. Seems healthy. And with him on the field, I think Arkansas, they they win. 
they cover the four-point spread, and they prevent Missouri from going to a bowl game, and it's back to the deer stands for Tigers fans. But Elijah Drinkwood still keeps that $6 million contract, right? That yes, doesn't he does. affect it. They can't which, which, by the way, congratulations to Mark Stoops. We'll get into Kentucky in a, in a bit, but yeah. congratulations to Mark Stoops of becoming a $9 million man. Quietly, the news of that, that contract extension came out of, of Kentucky this weekend. $9 million man, Mark Stoops, en route to a 6-6 six and six season. How about it? Anyway, back to this game in hand. Only in America. Um, yes, I'm with you on this one. Um, Brady Cook's play, he's getting better at quarterback. He really is. But I like K.J. Jefferson a lot more. Um, and I like Sam Pittman a lot more than Eliah Drinkwitz. Oh, but you think the world of drink, do you not? Oh, no, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but I think in a few years on this same date, he'll be out there in a deer stand. I don't see it. He won't be coaching Missouri, but he'll be a wealthy man. He'll, he'll own some land. He can, yeah, he won't have to go far from his back door to kill a deer. So, I know some uh, folks that have tagged their deer from their standing on their back porch. I, my uncle and cousin did that one year. They got all in their their camouflage, had their gear. They walked out the back door, shouldered their their shotguns, bang bang, tagged their deers. Deer season was over. <laughs> Go back inside, living the dream. Yep. Florida's not living the dream right now after losing to Vanderbilt on Saturday, John. But now they have a chance to gain some atonement and take out their frustrations on Florida State. Really nice season from Florida State down there. Mike Norvell, kind of borderline hot seat, I guess you could say, entering the season, or maybe it wasn't even so borderline. Started the year by beating Brian Kelly's LSU Tigers in New Orleans and has kept the good times rolling. Florida State's 8-3. and three. They're winners of four straight. They're a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Against Florida, everything seems to be set up, right? This is the one. These are the games the betters tell you, mm, go against the trends here. And I haven't done that enough in my picks. But I'm going to say I'll take Florida coming off that loss to Vanderbilt. That's that's increased this line to what it's otherwise been. You know, Florida, that was just a disastrous game. They had that special teams turnover that led to a Vanderbilt touchdown. You know, playing on the road in Nashville. Oh, we we know that's a tough place to play. Did you see did you see Vanderbilt fans quote unquote storm the field, John? Uh that, no, they were just on their way home and they took a shortcut walking across the field. That, that that's what that was. That's uh-huh. what it looked like. They walked single yeah. file down the yeah. down the stands and down the stairs, single file onto the field and slowly strolled on. You're right. I think they were just taking a yeah. cutting across uh-huh. the field and getting getting to the their, their cars. Good point. The Prob- was probably sure what they were re- fine there. Yeah, probably didn't even realize who'd won the game. They were just passing three. Um, All right, I'll take Florida here. I don't think they'll pull off the upset, but I think they'll they'll cover the nine and a half. How about you? Well, I need to – I can't just think about which team I like the most. I've got to think about, about beating you, and mm-hmm. I'm a game back. So I, I've got to take some chances here. Maybe throw into coverage a little bit, but I got to make a play or two. So I'm going with Florida State. It hasn't been playing very good teams in its winning streak, but 
It did beat LSU in the opener. And I just think it's a better team than Florida. I, I'm very much impacted when a team loses to Vanderbilt. I, I just kind of think, you know, they should put an end to their program. It, it, it's just, just give up. If if that's the best you can do, you shouldn't even be playing the sport. So that I'm admittedly biased by that outcome. So I'll go with Florida State. All right. Well, speaking of a team that's lost to Vanderbilt, this season that takes us to Kentucky and uh, their new $9 million coach, Mark Stoops, his contract extended through the 2030 season amid this storybook season in Lexington where the Wildcats are <laughs> six and five armed with a loss to Vanderbilt losers of three out of their last four losers of five out of their last seven. Sounds like a coach you'd want to extend through the 2030 season. Oh, definitely raise him up to $9 million. No question uh-huh. about it. Uh, well, now they got a chance to seven victories, John, which, you know, in Kentucky, that's that's always something to celebrate is when you schedule your way to seven wins. And they're at home this week against Louisville. What is that, the Governor's Cup? Is that right? That sounds good. Yeah, it sounds good. Who are you yeah, taking in the Governor's Cup between uh, it, Louisville and Kentucky? Wildcats, three-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, it's uh, it's better than the battle line rivalry, which honestly I never remember. The only time I realize there's a battle line rivalry is when you say it. It's because I covered Missouri for four seasons. Yeah. That's the only way I know the name of that. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of Missouri's deer hunting fans know what the battle line rivalry is. Their battle line is right out their back door. That's right. Do you have to when, step across it or not to, to get your deer? Again, I'm swayed by losing to Vanderbilt. And and I really liked I like Louisville's quarterback. I'm taking Louisville here. South Carolina, John, coming off of this blowout win that spoiled Tennessee's playoff hopes. Well, the folks in Vegas weren't that impressed. Clemson, fourteen and a half point favorite. I'm gonna take Clemson in this one. Similar thought to the uh taking Florida off the Vanderbilt loss. I think come a victim in the moment, you'd say, oh yeah, I'm going to, South Carolina's flying high, beat Tennessee. I think they're set up for an emotional letdown here. You know, after hard fought victory against the Vols, well, here comes Clemson still with, with playoff hopes on the line. Can South Carolina really replicate that two weeks in a row, especially on the road? You know, I think that South Carolina got a big boost from uh, being Williams-Brice on, on Saturday. On the road, I'll take Clemson to cover the 14 and a half. I agree with you on that. The only way, the only thing that could change my mind if uh, Clemson was suddenly burdened with Tennessee's secondary, then I would go with South Carolina and, and Spencer Rattler to throw about 83 more touchdown passes. Oh, he just threw another one. Yeah, seven now. Uh, so, yeah, I'll go with Clemson as well. Okay, well, speaking of that Tennessee secondary, John, we know Hendon Hooker is out, and so he won't be able to cover up for the deficiencies in that secondary when uh, when Tennessee heads to Vanderbilt on Saturday. It'll be Joe Milton instead. And Vanderbilt, winners of, of two in a row, John Mike Wright, their quarterback, has uh, has, has regained the, the job and threw three touchdown passes against Florida on Saturday. Got those fans out of the, the stands, walking single file onto the field. Falls 15, 15 and a half. Um, I think it's going to be no problem 
you know, everybody's going to be worried about, ah, is this Tennessee season jump the rails? Is this special season just going to become a disaster with a loss to Vanderbilt? I don't see it. I think Joe Milton is going to show you that, hey, he's he's the quarterback for next season for the Vols. Uh, he's not overthrow Joe anymore. He's on the money, Joe. Yeah, I, I can. I, I expect Joe Milton to play very well against Vanderbilt because it has a porous pass defense, just bad all around defensively. But I also think Vanderbilt can move the ball on Tennessee. So I'm going to take those. How many points is it? Fifteen and a half. I'll take Vandy there. But I okay feel uncomfortable anytime I take Vanderbilt. I know you do. You, you can get on and off the bandwagon, but you've never. You've never succeeded much getting on that Vanderbilt bandwagon. No. Big game for LSU this weekend, John. They can't fall victim to the Tennessee scenario of <laughs> losing before they really, you know, have their chance to seize a playoff berth. The, the bigger game comes obviously the, the week after when LSU will will be tasked with with facing Georgia and Atlanta with a potential playoff spot on the line. But they got to get through mighty Texas A and M first. Kyle Field was. Uh, Do you see the photos from Kyle Field during that game against UMass Saturday? I mean, I, I don't know, I know if I've ever during a game. I don't know if I've ever seen ninety thousand empty seats. You know, you see it before the game. You get into the press box three hours before kickoff, but during the game to look down and see ninety thousand empty seats, even in the pandemic season, uh, you had more fans in the stands than what were there throughout the second half of that Texas A and M game. But uh, LSU will head into that menacing environment. Saturday, they're nine and a half point favorite. I, I don't, I don't see any trouble for LSU in this one. They, they just, uh, they just handled UAB with ease. I put Texas A and M right on about UAB's level, so I think LSU wins, uh, wins in a blowout at A and M. Yeah, it took me a while, but Texas A and M was supposed to be good. So when I look at them each week, I always think, well, they've got this talent. I mean, they could you know, they're going to finally snap out of it and have a really good game. But now if you Texas A&M differently, I look, look at it through a more realistic lens and see what might be the worst team in the sec. Right. And the worst team in the sec isn't coming close against LSU. So I'll take LSU and uh, I also pick LSU fans to take over uh, Aggie land for that weekend. Good point. There's a lot of, a lot of LSU fans that live in that Houston area, isn't mm-hmm. there? Yeah. All right, John. Uh, we'll step out of the the SEC for one, and then close with our locks of the week. It is it is the game this weekend, and the game has a lot of implications on the college football playoff. Michigan is at Ohio State. The Buckeyes eight and a half point favorite. I think Ohio State wins. I think C.J. Stroud. Comes out of the weekend as your Heisman favorite. I think Michigan keeps it close and is still in the playoff conversation as an 11-1 team. So I will take Ohio State to win, but to not cover the 8.5-point spread. No, I don't think it'll cover the 8.5-point spread either. Um, Michigan, you know... I. Michigan's quarterback bothers me with that pick, but it's got a really good offensive line, and I like offensive, good offensive lines. So I'll go with Michigan to keep this game close. 
I'm not as high on C.J. Stroud as a lot of people are, so I think Michigan will keep that game close, so I'll take Michigan. Yeah, to your point, I, I don't know that I would – if I'm filling out my ballot today, I'm not putting C.J. Stroud atop my my ballot. I know you weren't putting that on me, John, but I, I don't know that he'll be – you know, number one or number two on my Heisman ballot, but I I do think if if Ohio State wins this, he's going to be tough to tough to beat in that Heisman race. Although, again, I think Max Duggan uh, or Caleb Williams could have something to say about that if they win their conference championships. I, if I were to predict it today, I think I'd probably go Caleb Williams to to win the award. But I think we'll gain more clarity after this weekend. This could be the determining factor of who comes out of this weekend in the lead in our heated contest. Who do you got for your lock of the week? I've got the same team that I had had last week. I, I'm a firm believer in whatever works. You don't veer away from it. You just keep going to it. And I'm going to San Diego State. Despite my military background, um, going against Air Force, I'm taking San Diego State. San Diego State getting two points. Against Air Force, that uh, that pains me, John. Now you weren't an Air Force guy, right? I know you you served in the military, but you were not Air Force. Were you Army? Is that right? Yeah, I was Army. So we looked. I, I guess weren't we supposed to look down on the Air Force? And I was also, I was, however, at LSU, I was in the Air Force ROTC. So I guess I was kind of hmm. conflicted uh, between who's better, Air Force or Army. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, not that interesting, but uh, something to think. But you about. love those Aztecs getting two points. I'm, yes, I'm going to go back to. I'm going to go back to Big Ten land uh-huh. uh, for my lock of the week. I will take. A, I've been impressed by Maryland in their defeats this year. I watched them lose in a. They they played Michigan really tough. They played Ohio State really tough. Well, they're at home this week against Rutgers. Maryland's a thirteen and a half point favorite. I think they can blow out Rutgers and cover that spread. I just need. I don't even need the same team that showed up against Ohio State Saturday. If I get half that team, half that effort, I think Maryland <laughs> can beat Rutgers and cover the 13 and a half. We're, we're on a little bit of a roll here the last couple of weeks with our with our locks of the week. So I, I feel good about these. Um, and uh, I feel, feel good about some of these games this week, John. You know, last week was supposed to be a kind of lackluster appetizer before the big weekend ahead. Well, there was nothing lackluster about it. There was a lot of games... Uh, down to the wire, and we got rivalry week ahead of us, uh, coinciding with with the Thanksgiving holiday. John and I uh, will be back with you to discuss it next week. Happy Thanksgiving! Thanks for listening to this edition of SEC Football Unfiltered.